This is the Roar and Peace Project coming to you from Studio 3 at the Third Space on Campus Corner. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to Ellie, 22 months, and five rescue animals, political scientist, policy wonk, and co-owner of four businesses with my fellow co-host, Sarita Wilson. And I am Sarita Wilson. I am almost 50 years old, uh, birther of four businesses, mother of two grown children, five rescue animals, and one errant husband. Well, good morning. Today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, I am here flying solo. Sarita is taking a much-needed vacation. And so we have brought in a guest host. And so one of the things we talked about early on was the rarity of women business partnerships. And there are several in Norman, Sarita and I included. Uh, But one of the women business partnerships that we interact with the most, because it happens to be where we record our podcast, is uh, Jackie and Suzette at the Third Space. And so today we have Suzette coming to take Sarita's spot and guest host with me and talk a little bit about the genesis of her business partnership. So welcome, Suzette. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Kate. And of course, there is no replacing Sarita. That's there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep her seat warm while, uh, while she's away having a good time. Well, and I really like kind of having... I love you, Sarita, but I really like having some other voices in as well. Um, We recently did a podcast with Andy Shearer at Republic Bank, and so I really like kind of getting some new voices in. It also gives us a lot to think about. We leave each podcast going, huh, we need to write all those things down because now we need to do some of these things. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you. You kind of started a business partnership about the same time that we did. And so I'm sure you have a lot of takeaways and ideas from that, just as just as we did. Well, we certainly do have some lessons learned, I think, that uh, we can probably share, or at least uh, some of us might identify with, I guess, uh, when you're starting up a business um, and, you know, doing it from kind of scratch and bootstrapping. And so, yeah, I'm happy to share that. And also just support the idea of women working together in partnership and what the importance of that is. We've talked in previous podcasts, like I said, about how that through kind of how society molds women, it makes it very difficult to develop a partnership that is strong. Women have a tendency to compete against each other. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing kind of yeah. your your story. Absolutely. So. Well, thanks to the patriarchy, you're absolutely right, Kate. <laughs> uh, there's been only so much room, you know, for for women to to advance in society. And that's, uh, of course, one of our missions is to, to smash that thing called the patriarchy. But yeah, we're we're hoping to encourage more and more women to go into business and particularly to collaborate with one another. And hopefully this is going to be one of the ways to kind of empower women and, and get them absolutely. there. And I know you're... You're working on some things, we're working on some things, and we're working on some things together. So That's right. <laughs> so tell us how you got here. How did the third space kind of come about? How did your partnership with Jackie yeah. kind of come about? Well, I've got to go back, gosh, more than 10 years, really. Um, and I will say that even though Jackie's voice isn't on this podcast, she is in the room. She's sitting she's, right behind she's us. She's producing this uh, <laughs> audio, this podcast. So Jackie and I actually met um, when we were both working at the University of Oklahoma and just immediately became friends, just hit it off. I think we developed a quick um, collegial relationship, but then a friendship and stayed friends uh, for a number of years through various roles as I moved up through various administrative positions. And as Jackie moved up in her various roles at the University of Oklahoma, stayed friends over time. But it wasn't until around 2016 or so, mid-2016-ish, I approached Jackie about the idea of starting a magazine. Um, She's just such a gifted 
graphic designer and we were doing a lot of magazine type things for the College of International Studies where we both worked. And so I've really always wanted since um, my early days of being an academic, wanted to uh, start a magazine that was more for higher ed, that was not as stuffy maybe as some of the journals and things that are out there and something that was more like real about real people. I've always, I'd always wanted to learn more about the, you know, the people that were academics because they kind of puzzle me a little bit. So I, I asked her if she would start this magazine with me because by then I had kind of shifted to, I really wanted to focus on women in higher ed and wanted to kind of create a coalition of women to uh, start this magazine. And so I pitched this to Jackie and she immediately said, yep, of course, because she's a yes person. Thank goodness. Uh, she uh, loves to take risks and jump out there like I do. And so so we started up this little magazine, Prof Magazine, and uh, we launched that in early 2017 and kind of ran that through two to uh, well, almost three years. Uh, we are now rebranding that magazine and are relaunching it as Amplify, which is our digital platform for the third space. So that was kind of our first venture together. And we spent a lot of time, the two of us together, pulling off, you know, every other week we were doing, you know, newsletters, we were putting out content, she was doing the graphics, she was obviously running a really beautiful website. So and was was this weekly or monthly? Well, or? It's, it was online primarily at first. Oh, okay, so the first okay. year it was online. Then we put out our first print issue in the spring of 2018, I believe it was. I I can't remember the exact dates. But anyway, we put out our first print magazine after a year. And then it was uh, just focusing on the University of Oklahoma. And then that came out every semester. So we did three physical publications. And then it was online all the time and served uh, women in higher ed, you know, around the country and around the world. And it was a great project. But boy, it was like, you know, a slog really, you know, pulling off content regularly. And there wasn't a lot of, uh, there weren't many ways to monetize it. And so, so that was kind of one of our first lessons was, okay, if we're going to do this as a business, we've got to figure out how to monetize things because neither one of us, although we had these, you know, skills from the academic world and, you know, management skills, you know, creative skills, the business side of things was something that we definitely had a learning curve about. And so that is adjusting, I guess. We're rebranding that and connecting it to this project that we're sitting in right now, which is the third space. And that really came about, I think, really fairly early on in our conversations about Prof Magazine. Mm -hmm. Jackie and I and the team, the rest of the team, we had a few other women that were working with us, said, you know, we really need a space near campus. Like, we need something you know, a place where women or, you know, people can kind of come together and develop a sense of community and solidarity. Mm-hmm. You know, we really recognize that as you started this podcast out, it's tough to build a sense of community and solidarity, you know, among uh, women. And so, so we just were like, we need, we need a physical space to do this. So we'd always kind of wanted to have a physical space, but it wasn't until I transitioned out of my position as dean, which of course uh, kind of transitioned with a bang uh, a bit. For those of you who might not be in Norman, Suzette is being very nice about <laughs> what had happened. Um, when I post this episode, I will post a couple background stories. Um, but yeah, for for those who do live in Norman, Suzette is a little bit of a, a, a cult hero now, um, <laughs> cult considering hero. everything that happened. I would say national. I mean, I think what happened nationally really 
kind of made people less willing to take the shit that was coming out of the university. And I wouldn't necessarily say that things have gotten all that much better, but there was a time when things were very, very contentious. And I have a lot of family in higher ed around the country and even they were paying attention to what was happening here. So, yeah, it was a bit of uh, what was an interesting time. And and one year ago, actually right now, the uh, fucking, (laughs) fucking asking for a resignation, (laughs) Uh, to a certain president of the University of Oklahoma happened one year ago today. And look, one year later, he's yeah. no longer here. And it, well, and, and actually it only took a few more months before yep. he was like four more months before he was, uh, I'll say retired in air quotes uh, because he was fired <laughs> actually, but, and, and should have never been hired. But nonetheless, that experience obviously uh, allowed me the opportunity to kind of pivot in my career I stayed here because I have tenure, so haha, I get to stay. <laughs> and uh, in order to kind of continue to clean up um, and, and contribute to hopefully reform and change at the University of Oklahoma, but also you know hold people accountable and seek justice for what happens to what happened to me and what happens to others uh, on campus. And so, so we t- thought, well, this is a great opportunity then to you know take some resources. And, and for uh, Jackie and me, you know, we just thought this is it. You know, we need to look for some space and build that non-toxic, shared, supportive, empowering space that we've never had in our day jobs and deserve. You know, we all deserve women and underrepresented minorities and those who are marginalized deserve to have shared, supportive, empowering spaces and that was really what led us to create the third space. And, and it definitely answered a call. I mean, as I think that there had also been a lot of movement over the last few years from women on campus, from marginalized and underrepresented communities to say, we are here, you are ignoring us, and we're not going to let that happen anymore. So I, I think you also capitalized on something that was already there and answered the call. Maybe capitalized is the wrong word. Answered the call because, you know, this certainly isn't the kind of space that is trying to make a ton of money. No, we're just trying so, to keep the lights on, yeah. really. Um, you know, and I, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. You know, this is a project for me, a labor of love that I'm pouring pretty much everything I have into in order to get something started so that we can you know, support one another and empower one another and build things. The whole idea was let's, let's build a little something and then continue to build on that. And so that's, what's so exciting is we're, you know, within three to four months, we were, we're getting, you know, regular visits every day. People are coming here in here to work, to study, to have meetings, to engage with one another. We had game night last night it's really exciting to see how much attention the space has gotten from those particularly who don't feel comfortable uh, or aren't, don't feel welcomed in other spaces. And, and we're also the only space in town, by the way, that has a podcasting studio. So I have a history in radio. I have a history in podcasting. I was on uh, KGOU, an NPR affiliate show. World Which Views I will say is years. actually where I first heard your name and became kind yeah. of a house a household name in my home. I knew you as being on KGOU. Yeah. And that was it. That was what I knew. So <laughs> well and that's a lot of you know and that and it, people loved that show. Mm-hmm. It was a great show. Worldviews uh was a, a way to enhance um international awareness and knowledge in our local community um and had a really nice following. But there was a falling out with KGOU. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like there was one it was one of the first um, acts of retaliation against me. You when, can't see my shocked face right yeah. now, but I had no idea about yeah. that. I yeah, just, they, I just assumed it was down. something you didn't 
no, have the bandwidth for anymore. No, they shut us down. After I started speaking publicly, they shut us down. Of course, they, that wasn't the excuse they well, gave us. Course. But I know from the conversation, and by the way, we were quite ambushed by it, but they mm-hmm. definitely shut us down. And it was clear later to me, oh, okay, this is the kind of like the first step in what's to come in terms of retaliation for speaking up publicly about, you know, problems that are going on uh, in a public institution. And so, so yeah, so I missed the show, uh, sort of, I mean, it was, that was also a lot of work once a week, every week, you know, 52 weeks a year, we never missed a show six to seven years. And so it was great, but it did run its course. But I have a love for, you know, radio, audio, podcasts. I mean, I love the podcasting world now. I listen to podcasts nonstop, particularly about my new project, which I hope we can talk about. But, you know, it is such a great way to get your voice directly out there to people. And so I I loved doing worldviews. And obviously with that experience, just immediately kind of pivoted to, well, of course, we have to have you know, the ability to do podcasts. And so we're so grateful to you and Sarita for being our first customers, really, in starting a podcast here. And now we're starting to get other groups and other people coming in doing podcasts, as well as doing our own podcast uh, on the uh, platform Amplify. Yeah, we're, we when we were looking for a space to do this, at first, we weren't sure that we even could do this if we didn't have someone doing it for us. I mean, one of the things that we learned pretty early on in our business partnership is sometimes neither of us are good at anything <laughs> like yeah. that. You know, if there's one, <laughs> neither of, if neither of us are good at it, then maybe we just shouldn't do it. And so we knew that we knew we could talk all day long, but in terms of making it actually sound good, I mean, sound in a way that is consumable to people. Uh, we weren't sure that we were going to be able to do that. And so it was, it was so wonderful to find this space and to have it feel accessible because I think we would have been entirely overwhelmed if we walked into a podcast studio and there were, you know, screens everywhere and, you know, hundred thousand buttons. I mean, I've, I've seen some pictures of podcast studios that look like the cockpit of a spaceship and that would have been entirely overwhelming to me and probably Sarita as well. And I don't know that it really would have developed in the same way. It would have been much more transactional, a relationship than we've developed here. And that's also what we look for. That's what we do in our businesses is we try and incubate other businesses, women owned businesses where we can. But if we have the ability to choose another women owned woman owned business for our service or for whatever we need, we always prefer to do that. So yeah. well, this was just the you. perfect fit. We're, we're so we're so grateful to you for that. And of course, Jackie gets all the production credit. I mean, you know, you're right. It, it's not easy to, to just, you know, produce a podcast. There's a lot to it. The editing process is is lengthy and time consuming and having to know what all buttons to push and not to bu- push are is really important. And I, I don't do that either. Right. So that there's a reason why Jackie's sitting over there. At and the, the creative know, the vision on. to make it exactly. sound good. I mean, there are times our first few podcasts. Oh, gosh, I am so sorry, Jackie. I bet those were so rough, <laughs> but like how to how to cut them and how to you know, trim out what we said that was extraneous. I mean, I think that every word I say is important. Jackie (laughs) is willing to go in and say, no, no, I can cut this 38 minutes of content down to 28 or 29 and have it sound just as good as you think it sounds in your head. Yeah, She's really, really gifted at that. And so, yeah, and that was a real motivating factor for us in putting this space together is we really 
believe that people should have their voice heard. And so if you ever want to do a podcast, come and see us, you know, it's all, it's, it's what it's about. And I, I encourage everyone, honestly, everyone should have a podcast. We I said that in a podcast a like podcast. two or three ago is that everyone should do a podcast. It, it is, it has been the best form of business therapy for us. Yeah. I mean, we, it forces us to do research on things we would, we've taken for granted and just think we know about. It's helped us better collect our thoughts and really make us feel more like CEOs of our own companies rather than just, or as Sarita would say, just a doggy daycare lady. So (laughs) yeah, so we really appreciate being here. And I really love, I really love hearing this story. And I know you mentioned some of the things you have coming up. Let's talk about that, whatever you're willing to, because there might be some projects that you're not ready to talk about yet. Well, so one thing that's really clear, Jackie and I are very clear about our, our values and what motivates us. We're very clear about our, why we do what we do, the, what we do, you know, we own a co-working space, a shared, supportive, empowering space, you know, that's vibrant and warm and, and it's an event space and people can come in and feel, you know, work here, or have an event here. And that's that is because we are really committed to the values of diversity, inclusion, equity, community, you know, transparency, openness, you know, these these are our, our values. And so, you know, that that's where we started with Prof Magazine. That's how we rebranded to Amplify, which will launch soon, is, you know, that we want to be unapologetically transparent, open, welcoming, and build community, you know, uh, do things that build community and that bring people together. So one of the next projects is, is a product that is, well, we feel like is a product of those values. Uh, our commitment to diversity, inclusion, and equity, and our love for beer. So we're bringing these things together. And I know it sounds kind of crazy maybe at first. It sounds kind of interesting, but Jackie and I are beer drinkers. We love beer. I like to say I'm an equal opportunity drinker. I like to drink just about anything, but we both love beer. But yet we're also really conscious of where we spend our money, who we support, and the craft beer industry in Oklahoma is, well, it lacks a significant amount of diversity. And That's the nice way of saying there are no <laughs> brewing companies owned by women. So yeah, there are no solely owned and operated microbreweries in the state of Oklahoma that are solely owned by women. And the, there's only one really that's solely owned by an underrepresented minority. And that is um, Skydance Brewery. They're um, indigenous. Um, and then actually Canadian River Brewing also has a, a, a member of their ownership is indigenous, but there's not enough. And there are no women. There are, there are some couples and things like that, but there aren't enough. Let's just put it that way. And there are dozens and dozens um, of craft breweries in the state. Yeah. Well, we're still an up and coming state in the craft brewing industry. And so we still feel like there's some room here and we want to be able to spend our money where we feel good about it. Um, there are places we don't shop for a reason. And if we're going to drink beer, let's, you know, let's drink our own beer or, you know, let's put our money again where our mouth is, um, literally, <laughs> and, uh, and support, you know, beer companies that speak to our values. So we're actually developing a partnership with a Brazilian brewing company that's amazing. And we're brewing test batches now. Jackie and I are are brewing regularly. We're living, eating, breathing, literally sleeping, listening all the time, uh, beer. That does not mean we're drunk all the time, I promise. Um, But yeah, that's it for us. Like we found the product and it's fascinating. The beer and brewing industry, the craft brewing industry is a fascinating world. 
I have so much more appreciation actually for beer now, knowing more about what goes into it. I mean, wine, I mean, come on, anybody can make wine. You squish some grapes, you throw in some yeast. It's just so much easier than all the wine making <laughs> companies. All the vineyards are screaming now. No, but it's true. I mean, they, they, okay. So there's a lot that goes into like which grapes and how many, you know, and like the recipes, but there's so much more involved in beer brewing. Um, and winemakers have got to admit it because it's just true. The way in which um, beer is made, you know, is brewed and, and fermented and um, there's a lot more science bottled. behind it. There's a, there's a ton of science. There's chemistry. There's there's physics. There's I mean, it's just, you know, the, so there's science. And then and then, of course, there's the whole business and design and branding and packaging and you know, distribution. I mean, there's just, there's so much to that industry that's really, really fascinating. It's one of the most interdisciplinary areas that I've found. And I'm an interdisciplinary person. I love doing work with people outside of what I do every day because it's, I'm curious and I want to learn about other things. Jackie's curious and wants to learn about other things. So we, so this is also what makes a good entrepreneur. You right. know that. That's that, one of the, the reasons curiosity. why Sarita and I have to hold each other back because we're like, ooh, wouldn't it be fun? Yeah. To, we're like, yeah, it's fun to think about it and yeah. maybe fun to help someone else. But <laughs> we've had to hold back on doing all the things ourselves. But it's that same that same motivating well, factor. Be- Learn new things. Believe do new me, things. there are lots of things on the list, right? You know, we've got all kinds of other hustles that are planned. I will um, also say my husband is a huge beer drinker and awesome. he asked me to put in a request to be one of your beta testers. Okay, absolutely. So. You got it. Um, <laughs> we will be we will be testing soon. And so, yeah, we are really excited about this. Um, it's also an, a venture that um, it will include um, Jackie's daughter and my daughter, other women and um, people of color that are coming into the team. So it is going to be a collective, a collective effort, beer that's made collectively and globally. I mean, it's in, going to include, you know, international partners. I mean, it's a whole different model. It's going to serve a whole different community. It's bringing equity to craft beer in the state of Oklahoma. That is the name of our brewing company, by the way. Equity I was hoping company. you were going to say that. Yeah. So we're new to this, but, um, but we're super excited about it and uh, we'll see where it goes, you know, but as we make each step of our business, we're learning, we're pivoting, we're, we're using the whole lean startup process of develop a minimum viable product and get it out there and see what happens and pivot, you know, wherever you need to pivot. And so, you know, that's every step of the way with the third space. That's what we've been doing every step of the way with the magazine before that, you know, with our our new platform amplifies it's coming up. And with the beer company, I mean, all of these things are just, you know, baby steps into, um, I don't know, beer feels a little bit like a big jump into the deep end in some ways, but there's a lot of interest in the beer. And so things are moving pretty quickly, but just reminding ourselves that it's okay to jump into something, even if you don't know everything there is to know about it, because there are people who will know about things that you need, you know, there, there are partners, there are people you can work with. So there's an incubator, for example, in Oklahoma city called the Brewers Union that we are developing a partnership with and, and we'll be brewing there. So, I mean, it's like, we'll just find the places and people that can help us do this and, and bring equity to an industry that really needs to be disrupted. Well, and you know, one of the things that Sarita and I were kind of talking about because we love disrupting things is we were thinking at what point do we need a second incubator space? For breweries. 
Right. I mean, we've already we've already found some discrepancies between Oklahoma County law and Cleveland County law when it comes to health department stuff. That is the pretty much the sole reason why we don't have a commercial kitchen in Norman to do these things for non-manufactured products. Just, you know, basic health department licenses. There are some significant discrepancies, which means we are not competitive That's compared right. to Oklahoma County. That's right. And so thinking the same thing about brewing. I'm like, I could have our, you want to talk about a collective. We could have yeah. our own little brewers union yeah. down in Norman. Well, I mean, these are the, the policy side of things is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, learning a lot about how much politics and policy and regulation there is in, of course, the beer and everything. Well, it's just everything but, but the beer industry, yeah. uh, the food and beverage industry. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the kitchen. And so trying to disrupt that. I mean, Kate, you're a member of the city council. You know what it takes, you know, to to make changes along these lines. We're just getting started learning about these things. But yeah, there's some disruption to be had there. And and why not? You know, why not, you know, again, on a small scale, you know, laboratory scale, build some some new and exciting things and serve populations that have not been served in what I'm working on 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 the craft beer industry, Mm -hmm. the southwest side of Oklahoma City, the northeast side of Oklahoma City, you know, other parts of the, I mean, they're just, they're all in these same places and, and kind of serving the same populations and not everyone feels welcome there. And so, you know, why not take craft beer to populations that, that could really, you know, benefit from it and, and, and that, and where proceeds will benefit them. So that's another thing that we're really passionate about. I know you're passionate about, we all have our causes, the things that we support that we feel very strongly about. We aren't just businesses, we're social businesses, we're socially conscious businesses. You know, we are concerned about the impact that we're making in many ways and putting those resources back into things to make our communities better and stronger. And I think that that is a reaction to, I mean, I've, in other words, I feel like the pendulum is swinging back because I feel like we used to have that. We used to have mostly mom and pop businesses, maybe small local department stores, uh, but places that were deeply connected to the communities that they served because there used to be a recognition that you only existed but for the community's goodwill in many ways. And then the pendulum swung and the stores got bigger and their connection to their community got smaller. And I think a lot of that was lost, that relationship between businesses and their communities. And yeah, they established foundations and maybe threw a few thousand dollars here or there at sports teams, but it's not the same. And I feel like I feel like that pendulum is swinging back. And but I don't necessarily feel that all business owners have recognized that we are often the only doggy daycare that you will ever see on the back of any sports team shirt. I mean, we do what we do. We sponsor a dog show for Spud for their event. And we thought we were going to have like 10 people and their little poodles. And there was like 400 people who showed up for this event. I was like, oh, right, because it's Spud. Um, and the same for the same for coffee. I mean, anytime someone asks us for a donation for an event or something like that, we get involved. We provide we have a suspended coffee program so people can come in and buy coffee. And the note goes on the board and someone who doesn't have the ability to pay for coffee can then get a coffee. But I don't see that very often. And I'm hoping that the tie, that we just haven't reached that top of the pendulum swing yet because you know, I know that you see it. And I really think that that is going to be the next wave. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, obviously, 
the corporate world, as you, when you, when, let's be honest, you know, we talk about the pendulum swing away from the mom and pop shops or whatever. We want to call them the small local stores, you know, that pendulum swinging then to the corporate world and the big box stores and not having connections to your communities or whatever. But this is, you know, this is capitalism at its finest. And I do think that there is a pushback on this now, and especially with the younger generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I spend a lot of time with, as a professor, with with young people, and I hear them. My daughter, I have a 23-year-old, you know, Jackie's um, children, I spend a lot of time with them. They're in their, you know, late 20s or early 20s. They are pushing back on a lot of this. They, and they're asking us, those of us who, who are older and own businesses to be more responsible and to be, you know, to take care of our communities and to pay our employees a living wage and provide benefits and all of the things that, you know, aren't being done Mm -hmm. uh, or haven't been done for a while. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a very slow pendulum (laughs) swing. It's far too slow for me, but, but nonetheless, it is swinging. And I think that's, that is going to be the future is a more community oriented, socially oriented, socially conscious business path going forward. I just, I think, and I don't know, in my gut, in my heart, in my mind, um, this is what I hear and see from young people. And I really think that that's the way to go. And I think it's going to be that consumer behavior that forces a lot of businesses well, to, to change. Yeah, it has um, to be. Because clearly they're not going to do it on their own. Even if they're doing it from kind of the shrewd, uncaring, I need to make money or I my business will cease to exist kind of way, if it's consumers who are demanding it, you're either going to provide it or you're going to fail. You know, and that's kind of the bottom line, uh, which is kind of figurative and literal, <laughs> literal is uh, the bottom line is, is that, you know, it does come from consumers. They have to demand it. But we also know that business owners have a lot of education that they can like we we really truly believe that like the third space and equity brewing that these are educational opportunities as well mm-hmm. to have more of that top down business approach that the business itself starts with the social model and educates others you know and brings them along so i think these two things have to to work hand in hand the demand the supply you know the consumer the the business owner um, they have to to work um, hand in hand it can't just be one side it has to be both top and bottom. I think you're absolutely right. It makes that change a lot faster. If consumers drive it and businesses are unwilling, it's going to be a lot slower. Um, so we're getting the we're getting the evil eye about the time. But there is one thing I wanted to mention that in talking with this business partnership, uh, one of the things that we have started to conceptualize, it's still in its very early stages, is a collective for women business owners. We are all very disparate throughout the city. I don't think we know nearly enough of each other. And uh, the various entities that work to support businesses in the city don't seem to have women even remotely close to the forefront of their minds. Anytime I hear something like women's auxiliary, it really (laughs) chafes me. I am not auxiliary to anything (laughs) or anyone. So keep an eye out for the Third Space Collective if you are a women business owner, if you are a woman and want to be a business owner, if you're a woman who just dreams about owning a business someday and it's even far off in the future, find us on Facebook. We had a first meeting this January. January is a tough month to have yeah. to have meetings, but we're going to be having some meet and greets over the next couple months, possibly identify some topic experts to bring in to talk about some of the things that 
all business owners experience, but women might not feel like they have the same resources to help address um, and kind of see where it goes from there. But that's something that I'm really looking forward to because I know a lot of women business owners in this town. I know there are more that I don't know. And I know that there are some who feel like they don't have the resources they need to make their business as successful as it can be. So, Right. Again, a way to develop a, a sense of community and solidarity among women-owned businesses so that we can support each other and figure out how to work together to create a better environment for all of us. So we had a small but very good first meeting. And so some resources will be coming out soon on our Facebook page, uh, the Third Space Collective. But you can find us there and come join us. I mean, we we had we immediately had 30-some-odd women who joined the collective. Um, I know not everyone will be able to make every meeting. That's fine. But just as a way to you know, highlight what we're doing connect with one another and support one another is the whole point of the project. And we'll be pushing content out on that Facebook page and scheduling more events. That's right. And as always, you can find us at roarandpeaceproject.com and send us any comments, questions, or other feedback to roarandpeaceproject at gmail.com. We will see you next week.